Note, this episode was recorded in August 2022. Since then, the Government of Ontario has announced several changes to the Ontario Disability Support Program, or ODSP. Although these changes do not significantly affect the ideas discussed in this episode, some of the details may now be outdated. Please refer to official government sources for the most up-to-date information on ODSP. Please also note that the views expressed in this episode are those of the speakers and do not necessarily represent the positions or values of Community Living Ontario. listening to Season 1 of the Community Unmuted Podcast. I'm your host, Nico Pupella, and today we're going to hear from Andrea Hatala. Andrea has been an ODSP recipient for several years, and is a recipient co-chair for the ODSP Action Coalition. The coalition uses a number of different strategies to advocate for increases to ODSP rates. These include political lobbying, organizing campaigns and rallies, and legal challenges. In my conversation with Andrea, we discussed potential changes coming to ODSP, the need for affordable housing, why clawbacks are unfair, and more. Enjoy the episode. Hi, Nico. How are you? I'm good, Andrea. Thank you for joining me today. No problem. So I wanted to actually start off a little differently than I did with my last one. I wanted to get a little bit of background from you as to like how you're involved with the ODSP Coalition group, and then we can go from there. Okay. Um, my name is Andrea Hatella, and I am the recipient or the client co-chair of the ODSP Action Coalition. And um, I have been an activist all of my life because, um, um, you know, I've always been working on these issues. I started with the ODSP Action Coalition a few years ago. Um, like, I mean, in 2010, I guess that's more than a few years ago. But, you know, sort of worked my way up. I became... The um, ODSP Action Coalition has two well has a has a few committees, and we have a steering committee um, as well. So I was chair of the PAC committee for a while, and then I um, became the recipient co-chair. So, uh, as you know, people have been struggling month to month with their finances. Do you hope that there's going to be like financial stability for people um, with the changes that are supposed to be coming to ODSP? Well, the changes that are coming to ODSP are just a, a little, a little bit. Um, it's it's five percent, and and that will that will help a little bit, but. Um, we need a substantial raise in the rates in order for, you know, for people to gain financial stability because the 5% is only about $50 and that will help, but it won't, but 
you know, financial stability is still a little a little ways away from that. And yeah, I do I do hope that people are able to get a better increase. And when Ford, you know, puts out the budget that there that there is more of an increase than five percent, but yeah. Because like the average person that I know would receive around eleven hundred or so and that like if you have say rent that's like say 1800 or something or more that's a lot of money that they've got to still fork out in addition to cover their rent yeah see and rent rent is um that's one of the things that we're fighting for is to increase the rent the money that that you get for shelter more like that has to be at least tripled in order for people to be able to afford like a, a um, an apartment here in Toronto, and I think in the other places, um, in other places in Ontario, it's still like it's not that much cheaper to rent a place. So people have to have a um, a higher, you know, a more of, like more of a shelter increase that almost has to be tripled in order just for people to get by. So if you were to say like the average right now that people would be getting is around say eleven or twelve hundred, what would you think would be a realistic amount that, that they should be giving per person to help offset the rent cost, at least at the bare minimum? Well, the coalition, I mean, you need a good fifteen hundred to rent a place and then the five hundred for basic needs, I guess. Which which would be like two thousand a month. I think that might be a start, right? In like you also have to afford food and to sort of have a life, you know. So, but we the coalition doesn't um, doesn't say that it that it should be a certain amount, but we have we have said like two thousand a month would be the minimum and. They gave two thousand a month for CERB, so so that's you know that's a good starting place. So, uh, as you and like we've talked about like rent and housing. I mean, people are looking for affordable housing, but I mean the fact that people are having to constantly how much watch how much they're spending does make it very difficult to find that affordable housing that they're seeking. Yeah, affordable. Affordable housing is one thing. Um, there's there's um, accessible housing. Um, that's that's another thing because if people, you know, there's some people who find affordable housing and they can't. There's there's steps in their place or there's um, reasons why they can't, you know, use the full place. So affordable housing is is hard. I think with inflation, rents are going to have to go down eventually. But what do you do until then? So it's going, it's going to, it's, it is hard. Yeah, it is hard. Um, rents are really, really high. Like there, there are a lot of people that can't find um, housing and the lists, the lists that, um, that people are, the the list to get housing 
like TCH housing, Toronto, Toronto community housing are, are long. Sometimes people, you can wait 10 or 12 years to get a, to get a house or to get an apartment in one of those buildings. Basically like the rent geared to income, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. Rent RGI housing. Yes. Yeah, I was on RGI waiting list for quite a while, and then I was able to get on to the Ontario Portable Housing Benefit Program, and um, it, it's been helpful. Um, I wish it, like more people were aware of that because there's people that are on a waiting list with RGI, and then you have, say, regional housing benefits, which have limitations, but then again, so does the provincial one. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, and there's like some co-ops that have subsidized housing, but that's from the list, um, from the RGI list as well. Mm-hmm. Now, what are your thoughts on like for people that are working and they're getting clawed back with the money that they have to report with their earnings? What's your take on that? Um, the clawbacks are not fair. The, the clawbacks are just not fair because people complain about or people that, that work full time and stuff complain about their taxes. But you get you get a two hundred dollar grace period and then all the money above or a grace amount. And then all the money above two hundred dollars um, is clawed back at 50 percent. Plus, they have to pay taxes. I wish that that. Um, that they would that they would stop you know like lessen the clawbacks or lower the clawbacks or just um make it easy like because it would make it it would make it better we are trying the people that are working are trying to um you know make a living they may not be able to work full time but they work part time and they're trying to make a living but um the clawbacks are taking away their money so that's no good either. Yeah, I'll give you an example. Like I worked two different jobs at one point. One was for a cab company, so it was technically under the self-employment or subcontracted, if you will. And so I had to report my earnings of what I was bringing in from the cab, and it affected my um, income reporting with ODSP. So then I wound up with a huge overpayment, after a couple of months of working and it, it got to the point where like it took too much of a financial toll on me and I I mean I missed the job but I mean the clawback of what ODSP was doing was like you said unfair oh and so you actually were working and you found that um that working wasn't wasn't um wasn't paying like was it it, it didn't pay to work so it was a, the clawbacks were a disincentive, right? So, um, so um, you know, Ford wants us all to get jobs, um, but but the clawbacks are a disincentive to work, and that's and that's yeah, it's it's just um, um, how much how punitive can the system be, right? Like, there was even talks, and this is back a few years ago before COVID, when they brought up changes that were going to come that you could make up to about 6000 a year before 
uh, I guess before clawbacks or something, and then that changed when the government uh, changed that when the elections happened, and then now we're back at where we were before. Yeah, um, yeah, you know, people shouldn't people shouldn't vote um, against their better interests. They shouldn't have voted for Ford. They voted him in twice. And and uh, and I don't know what like Ford made a whole bunch of promises before the election, and n- now um, we're stuck with him for another four years, and and this is not going to be good. Uh, one other question that I wanted to ask, and like this has obviously been brought to my attention by a lot of people, is like. For, say, people who are on ODSP and they're in a relationship with someone and then they want to move in together and then they're deemed as a couple, their whole amount changes. And yet there's people that have been telling me that that there's some that, like, I don't like the term cheating the system, but they're finding ways around it so that way they can still keep the money that they're getting separately by listing them as, like, a roommate as opposed to being as a couple. Yeah. Um, well, if the system is punitive, then people have no choice but to cheat the system. Um, like, like, I mean, if you are a couple, you get like one and a half percent. You don't get, you don't get double ODSP. You don't get double the amount of ODSP. Um, you get like one and a half percent of, or I, I don't remember exactly, but it's, but it's less. And to expect two people to live on that amount of money is like not cool. And, um, and if the, so if the system is, is punitive, the only way that you can get around things is to, is to, you know, cheat the system, and I I don't want to um, um I don't I don't want to like you know say that people should do this, but it's it's the system's fault for being so punitive in the first place and not allowing people to have a life and not allowing and and sort of um. Like not allowing not allowing people to fall in love and stuff like that and move in together. In this case, it's the system's fault that people can't be honest, not the people's fault. So what other things do you think need to be changed when it comes to like ODSP and the whole poverty issue? Um, I think the rates need to be raised. I think that people in relationships you know one of the things the roadmap the roadmap for social assistance um, was was that was that people would go in a single benefit unit rather than um, rather than a, a double benefit unit rather than like you know saying that they're married. Um, or that they're living together as a couple. I I think that the clawbacks have to be put put down. Uh, like you know, um, 
there should be like six thousand uh, dollars a month before you get clawed back because two hundred dollars a month is just not enough it's too small of an amount uh, that's that's like even a part-time you know job um you make more than two hundred dollars a month so so it needs to that that amount needs to be raised before um people get clawed back and um People are always complaining about workers and that they're having problems with their workers. And I don't know, you know, they should give the workers more training and give them give them a training where the workers understand what it's like to be on the system and don't just sort of throw them into um, the job or maybe hire people. The people that are hired as workers don't have to have a background in social, in um, like community worker background, or they don't have to have any education. And so they don't understand what, what people are going through. But it's a lot, it's a lot to be an ODSP worker. I get, I get that because people, because the workers have a lot of uh, heavy caseload and, and they're trying to deal with a lot of phone calls and stuff like that. So maybe they should hire more workers and, and give them less of a, of a caseload. Yeah, that, that raises a huge point because, I mean, a lot of people are frustrated with the workers. And I mean, as you said, like they take on a lot of cases and it takes them a while to get back to people. And I mean, Getting back to people is also important, too, because if people need answers, it's very difficult to get them if workers aren't returning phone calls, and then you have to go to, say, supervisors or managers just to get an answer. And then they also have, like, staff workers that rotate a lot, and you never know who you're going to have sometimes because they could go on vacation and you're stuck with, say, Joe Schmo. And then, oh, and then like, say, two weeks later, oh, now it's this person. Yeah, I know. I know. Yeah, I try to contact ODSP as little as possible, but some people who have to report their earnings or need like wheelchair repairs or need other things, they they have to contact their worker a lot more. And and so um the workers should I don't know, it should be just less of a of a of a problem rather than to get in touch with your worker, even if you have to, for some reason. So they should hire more workers and, and lower the amount of people that they have to talk to, and then they would retain workers for a longer time. And just to kind of like wrap things up, like what can we do to help make these changes possible? Like, like. Like, what can we do to change the issues that are coming up right now? Well, first of all, we're, we, uh, the ODSP Action Coalition is working on the rates. There's a lot of uh, letters and petitions going around. Um, if you want to sign a, a petition, that's good. Um, the ODSP Action Coalition is also planning another rally on October 17th. 
Um, so, you know, the more people that come out to something like that, uh, the more your voice is heard. We're planning the rally in front of Queen's Park. So, you know, we're taking it right to their front lawn. Um, there's town halls and and petitions and other things like that. Even And if you live in smaller places, there were people that had, like, in, in smaller towns that had rallies on the same day that we did um, to, uh, to support us and to make the voices stronger. Whether you're from Toronto, you know, if you're from Toronto and you go to um, uh, to um, the the meal programs or or places like that, suggest that um, people in the meal programs get a petition together or stuff like that. If you're in a smaller town, um, try to try to work with other people on ODSP and and plan plan smaller rallies to support our rally. And so there's lots that people can do. There's groups in Hamilton, as well as Toronto, that are working on these issues. And if you Google like stuff like that, you'll, you'll get a few um, responses. But it, you can um, join the ODSP Action Coalition list as well. And you will get you will get our meetings. You'll get like a newsletter that that has articles and it has the time of the ODSP Action Coalition meetings. And you can join our meetings and help us plan stuff and and anything to make your voices bigger and stronger. Well, I appreciate you uh, meeting with me today to discuss these very important issues and. Hopefully the, the government will start listening more and that we'll see better changes coming, especially, like you said, the rates. And hopefully the clawbacks will be looked at as well at some point so that more people can work without having that cut off. Yeah, I hope so. I hope so. Yeah. I hope so because, uh, because it's a hard, it's a punitive system and it's really hard to be on ODSP. People think that it's easy because you don't have to work, but they make more money. So it, it is hard to be on ODSP. It certainly is. Well, thank you for taking the time to talk with me today, Andrea. Thank you. Thank you. And, and um, have a good day. You as well. Community Unmuted is brought to you by Community Living Ontario. This season was created in partnership with members of the Council of Community Living Ontario, including our host, former Council President and current Vice President, Nico Pupella. The show is produced and recorded by me, Nicholas Wong, with audio editing and theme music by Helena Crobath. Special thanks to our guest for this episode, Andrea Hatala. Thanks for listening.